0: Hi folks, a quick announcement before the show today. First up, events. We've got three events coming up and they're all in person. I think I said earlier in the year that this was going to be the year of the face-to-face catch-up and it certainly seems to be going that way. So, Thursday the 13th of June. This is for you Brisbane friends. So, the Brisbane Take On Board Meetup will be on Thursday the 13th of June an informal gathering of listeners, program alumni, friends, and connections. It's a free event, so come along. Next up, the 18th of July, this is for our Warnable and Great South Coast Take On Board Friends, an event run in conjunction with Leadership Great South Coast and Bernadette Northeast. Governance from fundamentals to advanced practice. Super Early Bird tickets for this event close on the 10th of June, so get on it. Then the third event, a bit further down the track, the 22nd of August. This is for our Sydney friends, a take on board meetup in Sydney. Details of all of these events are on my website. There's a link to that in the show notes and I would love to see you at one or all of them. Okay, that's it for today. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halja Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable, and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging, and hard. So, here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks, and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio will also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together, we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be speaking with Jennifer Duncan about women, leadership, and how imposter syndrome sometimes holds us back from seeking roles such as directorships. First, let me tell you about Jennifer. Jennifer is Deputy Chair of Justice Reinvestment South Australia, Deputy Chair of the Youth Affairs Council of South Australia and a member of the Living Stories Advisory Board. She was formerly on the South Australian Council of Social Service, the Australian Youth Affairs Coalition, Australian Red Cross South Australia and the South Australian Health and Community Services Skills Board. So as you can see, she's got a wealth of experience to share with us today. She works in... And with for-purpose organisations, she's led and grown organisations and multi-million-dollar projects, and collaborated in the creation of successful startups. Jennifer's passion is working with organisations and communities seeking to make a genuine difference. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Jennifer. Thanks very much, Elia. So, Jennifer, before we explore all of those amazing topics, we would like to dig a little bit deeper about you. So can you tell us what was young Jennifer like and when did you get your first inkling that you'd end up as a board director? So look, I'd say that young Jennifer was quiet, bordering on
1: shy, quite retiring and not one to put herself forward. I found myself launched onto my first board, through a role Uh, so I was deputy director at the South Australian Council of Social Service and my executive director decided that it was time for me to take a step forward and a step up and I found myself launched onto the board of the South Australian Health and Community Services Skills Board. I did not think of myself as a board director at that time in fact it probably took me a couple of years to really start building
0: that idea of myself. I'd mentioned just before we started recording, that was my, well, not the South Australian Skills Board was not my first board, but my first board was the Community Services and Health Industry Training Advisory Board, and I think probably the same sitting on that board. I didn't necessarily consider myself a board director, even though clearly that's what I was. Do you know what I was
1: in my head, I think, was girl who was there because her boss sent her.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) And what an awesome boss you had. She was an awesome boss. To
0: recognise that and to
1: give you that little push. Do you know, one of the things that I really loved about her and I think one of the things that um, sat behind me working with her was she had a really terrific ability to see talents and capabilities that one might not even have recognised oneself Mm -hmm. and that's really important to me actually now as someone who's more advanced in my career to make sure I'm really attending to the young women who are following me to give them that kind of support and push forward because without her standing behind me giving me a solid shove in the back I think there are a lot of things that I wouldn't have done that I have
0: done. Oh, fantastic. Shout out to her. Can we name her? Karen Grogan. Yep.
1: Executive Director of South Australian Council of Social Service. Absolutely awesome woman.
0: Thanks, Karen. We need more like you. Was that your earliest experience of governance or was there something that even came before that?
1: Mm, No, I think that really was. I'd worked previously within the higher education sector. Higher education sector, ...loves an advisory committee and a governing council of many different sorts... ...so I'd done a lot of what I would have described as committee work. But you know, actually, even as you asked me that question... ...I'm thinking, oh no, yeah, I was. After Voluntary Student Unionism came in... Flinders University established a new organisation to provide student services... And I sat on that board before I sat on the health skills board. And isn't it funny how our brains just erase things because, oh, sure. It wasn't really that though. It wasn't really very special. I was just filling a chair. The way that we downplay our achievements Mm -hmm. and come up with reasons why they weren't so special,
0: so much so that I had entirely erased an entire board from my memory. It's it's so interesting, isn't it? I know in my board Kickstarter program we develop a resume for women, for their board resume, and every single time I hear stories like this Mm. about, oh, no, I haven't been on a board before. I mean, you know, I was president of the school council, but I haven't been on a board before, Mm. for example, and you're like, okay, school council has incredible complexity and risk and strategy issues and all sorts of things. So it is an excellent reminder to really think back through the things that we've done, whether it's uh, involved in university things or school or student committees, whatever they may be, they are governance.
1: 100%. I mean, for other reasons, this year I found myself having to go through a really conscious process of reflecting on my professional achievements. I think when I started that process, I was kind of sitting around and thinking, I don't know, like, what have I done? I don't really feel like I've done anything very much. And... As I sat down, and this literally took me weeks because, A, who wants to think about themselves that much? But also, B, when we forget things and we dismiss them, we bury them pretty deep and Mm -hmm. so bringing them up certainly takes time. But I would actually really encourage everybody to do this. Start a document and write down as you go along everything that you've done that you consider an achievement Because otherwise in 10 years' time you're going to be sitting around and scratching your head and you will still eventually get to the point of thinking, oh, hey, yeah, I did do that thing and, oh, my God, I did do that thing too and I'd completely forgotten about it. But I think that actually keeping a brag list is a really great way of keeping uppermost in mind Mm -hmm. that you're doing awesome things And there are things that you should be proud of and there are things that you should be
0: telling other people as well. I often recommend to people to keep their annual performance review uh, or whatever it may be because that's often where you put down what you've done and five years later, two years later, maybe one year later, you won't remember those things. That's right. So, I love the idea of having a shopping list of achievements that you can just draw out when you need to. You wanted to talk today about women leadership and how imposter syndrome, you know, impacts and sometimes holds us back. Yeah. Yeah. We've already touched on some of those things in recognising our own achievements and a reminder to keep those in a bit of a shopping list or a brag list somewhere. Maybe in thinking about your own board journey, I mean, we've heard that you got a bit of a push at the start. How have you managed to kind of wear that cloak of being a board director with confidence?
1: Yeah, look, I draw a really clear connection in my head between my journey on boards and my personal leadership journey. So I think certainly for my first boards it was a matter of being approached by people which is probably where I got the confidence to feel that there was value that I could add into a board because I would not necessarily have put myself forward. But the flip side of that also sits around my leadership journey and so again I think I said I was quite a quiet person, quite a reserved person. You know, I am an out and proud introvert and there are a lot of characteristics that introverts have that can mean that we sometimes get sidelined. One of the things that I was really lucky to be able to do relatively early on in my career was to rediscover purpose and purpose has been a great vehicle for me It's been a great driver for me to think beyond what's the stuff that makes me comfortable and to move into where is the opportunity that I have to create impact. And so these two things have been really important things to me in terms of my board journey. Purpose has determined the boards that I've selected Mm -hmm. to go on. And purpose is also the thing that when I'm on the board enables me to put down the mantle of my self-deference or self-deprecation and my preference to sit in the background rather than the foreground. And it's really enabled me to engage in, you know, very upfront leadership and be a really strong participant on the boards that I've been involved in.
0: So in a really practical sense, how did you do that? How did you sit down? Have you got, you know, your own personal purpose statement? How have you used that in a practical sense with choosing which boards you're on or maybe which boards you're not on? I had an epiphanous
1: experience. I was working in the higher education sector and I had applied to participate in an ethical leadership program, which I desperately wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I worked so hard on my application I was really proud of it. I can still remember its content now, which indicates how hard I worked on it. And I was unsuccessful in my application. And I remember having the feedback phone call with someone from the organisation I'd applied to, and she said, look, you know, really, the reason that you were unsuccessful in your application was we just didn't see the opportunity for impact. Mm we see that you're working within an organisation and we think about the ripple effect that our programs will have and it seems to us that you've picked a pond in which the ripple will be limited. And, you know, I put down the phone. I was obviously (laughs) devastated. And after I recovered from my devastation, I realised how entirely right that she was. And I thought, what I'm doing now... ...is not what I wanted to do when I left university. The stuff I'm doing is fine... ...but I don't have a burning passion for it. And I've got a really clear sense of the world that I want to live in. And I've got a better understanding now... ...of the way I could contribute to that world. And that was the key to me changing my career path. And that also... ...has been the criteria against which I assess my board roles. Does this organisation constitute a really clear values fit for me? Mm -hmm. Does this organisation seek to have the impact in its world that I also see? And if the answer to those questions is yes... ...I've also now reached a point in my career where I can say the third question which is can I make a contribution? I know the answer to you. And so on that
0: basis, if those things fit, I'll move ahead. Such a great way of thinking about the boards that you want to be on, making your contribution but also values fit for you, not just snaffling up whatever comes along but the one that where you are passionate about what it can do.
1: Look, and there is only one risk in that... That is something I've been thinking about uh, recently as well. So the risk is that those criteria still lead you into invitations. So you see a space Mm -hmm. and you think against those criteria, can I fill that space? I think that works well up to a point. It worked well for me up to a point because it enabled me to move into spaces that I would not have forced my way into. But there also then becomes a point at which you need to start asking yourself and what does it give to me? Is there a challenge that I'm going to get out of this that I will particularly enjoy? So a lot of my purpose has been around service but I also now am much more willing to accept that service must also be combined with stretch. Stretch is what I get out of it.
0: So, you've got a fourth criteria I by do. The sounds of things now. That's
1: right. The list is growing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, the boards that you're currently on, you're on three boards now, are yeah. you? So, yeah. Justice Reinvestment, Youth Affairs Council of South Australia, Living Stories Advisory Board. Yes, I'm assuming they all meet meet your three and probably four criteria. They do and I think
1: I'm also looking to add to that collection. Mm. I think that I've reached a point where I'm ready to take a further step in terms of challenging complexity mm-hmm. and so I'm also actively looking at the minute for a fourth option that's going to help help with
0: that. Okay. Well, you know, let's see if the Take On Board community can help with that. <laughs>
1: Wouldn't that be awesome?
0: What's, what's your dream board? Ooh, that's a great question.
1: I'm keen to sit on the board of a larger organisation. In order for it to be values fit, it needs to be for purpose, though not necessarily not for profit it needs to do some really creative and innovative work. And that's to not just the organisation but very much the board. You know, I think I think creative and innovative organisations can have sleeper boards. Mm-hmm. I'm really keen when I go to a board meeting to feel that we are actively adding value to the organisation and what it does and that we are acting as appropriate custodians and leaders within our role. I always look to sit around a table with people who are smart and engaged and turned on and, you know, in that room when they're in the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for boards that think in really challenging and complex ways
0: about how they create the future for their organisation. So is there a particular sector that you would be looking at or are you sector agnostic?
1: Look I could tell you that I'm sector agnostic and I'd believe it in a way, but I must be honest and say my first and abiding love is for-purpose community organisations that seek to address inequality Mm -hmm. in our community. Mm, That's where I'm drawn. That really is – that's my purpose. Mm -hmm. And so that tends to be what I'm looking for. I'd be open to an offer from Hague's Chocolates, though.
0: <laughs> right. Well, we'll have to make sure we send this on to them. Look, there's a good South Australian girl, I love Hague's. <laughs> well, who, yeah, I'm not a good South Australian girl, but who doesn't? And for those international people that are listening, Hague's is this fantastic chocolate company based in Adelaide, Adelaide yeah. or South Australia, oh, Adelaide. Yeah, absolutely. The Hague's Chocolate Frogs are just oh, kind all of... all of the Hague's chocolates. All of the Hague's chocolates. Are known Australia. Australia-wide. <laughs> so for the boards that you're on and the boards that you've been on in the past and even the ones that might be coming up in the future, mm. you would talked about one of your criteria being that you can really make a contribution. Mm. What's your value add? Mm. What is it that you add to the board? Disagreeing. He's <laughs> <Key laughs> skill for directors.
1: My board colleagues may not see it that way. What is my value add... Gee, this is going to sound, again, possibly a bit self-deprecating. It's not intended to. My contribution is I'm a really solid participant. Mm -hmm. I prepare. I go into those conversations with a sense of what I want to explore and the destination that we should be working towards in our conversations as a board. I... I'm in that room when I'm in that room. I'm not sitting there being somewhere else. And so I really invest in the work of the board. I think also having sat on boards but also worked as an executive to boards, Mm. I know how important it is for boards to have their own strong purpose and vision for what they deliver ...into the organisation. I am passionate about the fact that boards are not tick and flick. If boards are not actively adding value, then they should be moving on. If boards are not evaluating their performance, then they ought to start really quickly. Because if a board expects evaluation, measurement and performance from its executive then it must lead by example.
0: So, for the boards that you've been on, are you able to share a story with us about maybe an organisation, probably one that's done well. I'm guessing you're not necessarily (laughs) able to share a story where something's not gone well, but maybe you are. Are you able to, yeah, share a story about an organisation that have done that really well, that self-evaluation, or even you touched on the board really knowing their purpose? Yeah, look, actually, I'll tell you about a story that um, I'm in at
1: the minute. So... My role on the Youth Affairs Council of South Australia, I've been on that board now for just over a year. We've got some awesome directors who sit around that table. And this year we've been really actively involved in the conversation about where is this organisation going. Youth Affairs Council is a relatively small organisation. We have a really strong purpose which sits around advocacy and young people's involvement. But we're really committed to thinking creatively about what that looks like, not just in three or five years' time, but in 10 years' time. So we've done quite a lot of work this year designing a process for really challenging the organisation around its future, setting really clear goals for the organisation's future, setting really clear measurements and evaluation structures because we recognise that it's one thing to set direction but it's quite another to achieve it Mm. and that that kind of work really requires ongoing monitoring is part of it but really taking the information that you get through monitoring to continually feed back in a constant loop ...to inform the organisation's ongoing work. And that's been really fun. I think that's been something that's been really energising for us as a board. The board this year has done an evaluation. I'm a massive fan of the Develop Your Board tool that's run through QUT. Hmm. The not-for-profit unit up at QUT.
0: I haven't seen that myself. But I'll make sure we put a... If you send me a link, we'll make sure we've got it in the show notes. I absolutely
1: will. It's incredibly accessible the content of the reports is really high quality. It measures not just a board's performance against its own perception, but it benchmarks boards against other organisations. And seeing my colleagues um, get the feedback about how we're going and how that compares to other organisations has been really fun and inspiring. And so I'm really loving being part of a group of people who take really seriously the contribution that we seek to make to the organisation through the board and are taking really conscious and deliberate steps to implement you know, our aspiration, mm. which is to be the best board that we can be for an organisation that we all love,
0: whom we seek to make relevant for decades to come. Following that board evaluation, what are some of the changes that came about as a result of that? Mm. So, we're still in conversation. The areas that we think that
1: we can be stronger in are around strategy and also around how we work with our executive. So, we sat down over the report just last week and we've already set some really clear goals around strategy development. We've had conversations about what are the resources that we need as a board to make sure that we're on top of the things that we need to be on top of as directors and that those who sit around the table are all at the same point with the Youth Affairs Council of South Australia. So a big part of our agenda is to ensure that we have young people involved in our governance structures. So, that always means that there's quite a mix of skills and experience sitting on the board. So, we've talked about what support we need to bring into place in order for that to work, you know, in order for us to live our values in the best possible way.
0: So, I'm thinking about the process that you've done for your board evaluation and you talked about the benchmarking that came out of that and the evidence. And I'm thinking one of the topics for us today was about imposter syndrome and how valuable evidence is in imposter syndrome because we often sit in the boardroom and think, oh, God, I'm not so good at this or what am I doing here and why isn't the next person here? And then you get some evidence before you and realise that you are actually making that valuable contribution. That's so apt, Helia. The Board of the Youth Affairs Council of
1: South Australia at the minute is entirely composed of women. And the develop your board process looks at where does this board think it should be, where is this board, and it also benchmarks the board externally. So, again, this is a board comprised entirely of women. You will not be surprised when I tell you that in every domain – our expectations for where we should be were in advance of where we were and yet we benchmarked above the mean or in the top 25% of the majority of domains. Mm. So that seems to me to be a classic example of women marking themselves hard Mm in spite of the fact that their comparative performance is very good.
0: So what's your advice to women who are thinking about seeking a board role and haven't quite yet because they might not think they're up for it or are seeking an additional board role or even, as you've described, are in the boardroom? What's your advice to women who are feeling a bit of that imposter syndrome? Stop telling yourself that other people are better. Stop telling
1: yourself that you need to wait until you're better. I was not ready for my first board. You are never ready for your first board. So you kind of just need to pick yourself up and make yourself do it. Otherwise, you will always have a reason for telling yourself not yet.
0: And maybe you felt like you weren't fit ready for that first board and you got a bit of a shove in the back. If I think about that first board, there were a lot of there were a lot of firsts.
1: When I was on that board and in hindsight, being not just kind to myself but being fair to myself, I navigated those challenges well, thoughtfully, taking advice, seeking help where I needed it and with every ounce of my conscientiousness. Mm. And so sitting here now talking to you and thinking about it I can say I was ready for that first board. I just told myself that I wasn't. And then that became a fixed part of
0: my narrative. Mm. I was thinking that as you said it. You said, "I, you know, I wasn't ready. And and I was thinking to myself, well, clearly you were. Yeah. Because you joined that board and you made a contribution. So even if you don't feel ready, maybe push yourself along anyway. Get somebody to give you a push or push Absolutely. yourself along regardless. Absolutely. Or seek the evidence from others. I, f- so I sometimes find even just asking others, do you think I'm ready for a board? Oh, God, yeah. Off yeah, you go. Yeah. Go do it. I've been wondering why you haven't thought about it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. So just do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Do you know, and, you know, even if you fail, failing forward, mm. um, because, of course, we fail. We always fail. We always come out of experiences and think, I wish I'd done that differently, which is fine. As long as your next rapid rider is, and next time I will, mm. and now that
0: I know how I'm going to, I can put that to bed until I need it. Wouldn't it be great if more boards did reflect on what they had done and reflect on what they could do differently? I sometimes wonder whether that does happen in some of the other boards.
1: Ab- absolutely. And again, you sort of touch on one of my favourite issues, um, imposter syndrome – is absolutely one of them I meet a lot of perfectionist women and uh, how do I know that they're a perfectionist woman it's because when I say to them but of course you're a perfectionist and they say oh no <laughs> I am not perfect which is like no that's not what I said down <laughs> I said you're a perfectionist and the fact that that was your response rather proves the point point. But the third one that I love, and it is less well known, is a thing called the Dunning Kruger effect.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this? I have I have heard of the Dunning Kruger effect, but it's not you're gonna refresh my memory. I love right it now. I love it. It's my favourite thing, right?
1: Um it's a conundrum. You never really know where you sit on the Dunning Kruger scale, but the Dunning Kruger effect says that Those who are most competent and capable often feel least
0: Mm.
1: because we're quite preoccupied with what we don't know. Those who are least competent and capable often feel most because in not knowing what they don't know and honestly not necessarily being terribly bothered by it, Mm. they feel very high levels of, of confidence. So again, really competent, capable people, ...who will tend to reflect on self-criticism... ...don't necessarily have the confidence that they should. Mm. Whereas those who are unfettered by uh, self-knowledge... ...will often feel highly capable and step in with great confidence. And it's just one of those fascinating things and again i think it's a it's a reminder that if you are aware of the unknown unknowns mm. you're actually streets ahead of
0: most mm. it's interesting thinking about that you know, the Dunning Kruger effect on an individual level, but also potentially on a collective level yeah, for a board. Absolutely. You know, lots of the research around diversity on boards mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. that the more diverse your board is, the better the decisions will be. However, the less confident the board will feel in those decisions uh-huh. because they've been tested more and it's the it's the total opposite of groupthink in a way, so i'm I'm thinking that that sort of research is the kind of collective le- level of the dunning Kruger effect absolutely because again
1: um that means that a, a board is aware of the fact that there are alternative perspectives mm. out there, and that itself kind of shakes your confidence, right because hey like that means that the way. I've always thought about things, is not necessarily the right way? How could that possibly be the case? But I think that's a really, that's a really great observation. And also I just would love to say on the topic of board diversity and I'm noting that in the past week I think it is we have just tipped over the mm-hmm. 30% on ASX boards. I think that's the measurement. Mm-hmm um can we start please
0: having a conversation about board diversity that goes beyond gender listeners will have heard me say this before but i always like to think about equality on boards gender equality on boards and diversity that's right because i don't i also don't want the diversity argument meaning we don't get equality so i like to think of them as two separate things could yep. not agree more and 30 yep. percent is great but it's it's the staff uh,
1: you know 30 percent is great but You're being optimistic and saying it's the start and that's very kind and I I wish that I was feeling a glass half full in this very moment but it's still poor. There's
0: more work to do. Absolutely. Oh, Jennifer, (laughs) we've covered so much here. Um, So many amazing, valuable things in there. So what are the main points you want people to take away from this conversation? Just do it, I think. Stop thinking about what you can't bring. Start talking to
1: yourself about what you can bring. Find something that aligns with your personal purpose because if you're working to an external goal, I think that can often really help in putting to the side the internal barriers that we can tend to uh, develop for ourselves. And if that's not enough, then... Think about yourself as a role model, as an exemplar, you know. We are still in a stage where there are young women growing up behind us who need to see us, who need to see us taking leadership roles, who need to see us sitting on boards, who need to feel that the organisations that work with them are reflective of them. So if you're not quite ready to do it for yourself, then do it for her. Do it for that young woman who's currently working out where she's going to go in life.
0: Could not agree more. Do you have a resource or that you would like to share with the Take On Board community? I do.
1: It's a book that I was looking at recently. I haven't actually read it properly for, well, coincidentally, about 12 years, which is about as long as I've been a director, mm-hmm. which is a... About as long as I've been pursuing a purpose-driven career that book is a book called Synchronicity it's written by a guy called Joe Jaworski and it is about finding your inner path to leadership it is absolutely about discovering your personal purpose and then using that purpose as
0: your vehicle for growth Oh, fantastic! We'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes as well. Absolutely fabulous! Thank you so much for joining us today oh, here thanks, on the podcast, yeah, and for coming all the way over to Adelaide to do this as well. <laughs> Absolute might, <laughs> might have been here anyway, but a pleasure <laughs> to be here. I, I should also say, just in the final parts here, if you've heard some background noise here. Adelaide Airport is beautifully close to Adelaide City. So if you've heard some rumblings in the background, that might just be the flights going to and from. But I'm sure the beautiful pearls of wisdom that Jennifer shared with us would have drowned out any of that background noise. So thank you again for being with us here today and you know, sharing some of your wisdom with our community. It's been a heap of fun. Thanks for asking me. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.